This podcast is informed by lived experience and professional practice, but it is not a substitute for individual medical or mental health advice. If this episode prompts you to seek further help, and if you live in Victoria, please contact us via our hub service. Details are in our show notes. If you're listening outside of Victoria, please get in touch with the Butterfly Foundation. A quick note on recovery stories before today's episode. At EDB, we appreciate that everyone has a different story to tell. No one's eating disorder experience will be the same, and neither will their journey to recovery. You may not connect with everyone's story in the same way, and that's okay. We hold this space open for our community to share safely and with respect for everyone's lived experience. I'm Ming, and I work in the organisational change space, helping people adapt to changes happening in their organisation. Helping people deal with change isn't always the easiest job, but it can be rewarding and fulfilling, I would say, most of the time. Last year, I also finished my Pilates instructor qualifications and absolutely loving this passion that's turned into a side gig. I was originally born in China. My family moved to Australia when I was six and we settled in Brisbane where I grew up and completed all of my schooling. Today, I'd like to share with you my story about my eating disorder. It's a story about the struggles I've had with it, the shame and the blame that came with it, but also, and more importantly, it's a story about how I've come to claim this aspect of my life and see how it's enriched my life for the better. I first started experiencing thoughts about restrictive eating when I was 16. It was a way to cope with a volatile family environment and dealing with the stress that came with surviving in my senior school years at a very prestigious private girls' school and needing to excel academically, musically, and all around. My original intention was never to actually lose any weight. I grew up eating very traditional Chinese cuisine, which was always fresh and healthy, and I was a very sportive, active kid, so I was always quite fit. At first, I seemed to be in control of my thoughts, and I felt pretty good to be so in control finally, despite the chaos in my environment. I started dropping weight, but not noticeable enough to trigger any alarm bells to my parents. And I was feeling great about looking so good. In fact, in the beginning, I was feeling quite smug about it all. However, that all changed after about three months when I started experiencing the physical side effects of anorexia. My period stopped. I was constantly cold. But the scariest part for me was episodes where I would go blind for a few seconds and black out. This very first time where I blacked out for a few seconds was when I was at work. I was working at the checkouts after school and as I was scanning through grocery items and talking to a customer, all of a sudden I couldn't see anymore. It happened so quickly and so suddenly that I didn't have any time to react and process what had happened. I just remember I kept on scanning and talking to the nice lady that I was serving, even though I couldn't see her anymore. I never told anyone about this incident, but it was a big wake-up call for me. It was at this point that I realised my body was starting to shut down, but the problem was I was way too in the deep and I could no longer see the road back to where I used to be. Voices in my head had started taking over my everyday thoughts every second of my life. And the voices got louder with each day and it felt harder to find my own voice and make my way back to a time when things felt more normal. 
It was at this point that my mum started seeing the physical side effects of my condition. Being immigrants and coming from an ethnic background, it would have been hard for her to get me the right help, as she didn't know anyone in her community who had children going through the same condition. Even if she did, a doubt would have been talked about. Mental health and eating disorders are still such a taboo subject in Chinese culture, and even more so back in the early 2000s. So she did what she thought was the right thing and took me to China to get treated. Over my school Christmas break, I spent six weeks in China being dragged from one hospital to another. I was poked, prodded and took more examinations and tests than I can remember. I was given a concoction of Western medication and Chinese herbal medication. And the more this went on, the more violated and out of control I had felt. The more louder the voices got and the more erratic my behaviour became. If I reflect back on this event, I don't believe any of the above actually worked because the starting point was all wrong. I was being treated for a physical illness instead of a mental illness. I was being treated as though a magic pill to cure me existed instead of being supported to find my own way out of the condition. I was constantly being told how bad things were getting, but instead what I needed was reassurance that things can and will get better. I needed to hear examples of similar girls in my shoes who eventually did get better, talk to people who were experiencing similar symptoms, and not hear horror stories of the long-lasting side effects of an eating disorder. After those six long and scary weeks, I felt even more alone, even more anxious, and unsurprisingly, my weight dropped further. When I returned from China, my senior year had started and the pressure really piled on. I was constantly studying, but I recall I really struggled with my concentration at times. Even though I was able to keep up with my grades, it took more and more out of me each term. Things weren't great elsewhere either. Being a sporty kid growing up, sports day was one of my favourite days of the year, and I was a regular at most events on sports day, particularly in all the running events. Being a runner had been part of my identity from grade one, and I always won ribbons on sports day. I was also part of the athletic school team every year, without fail. When I was in year 12, I lined up for my favourite event and I didn't even place in my heats. My brain knew exactly how to execute the run, but my body just couldn't perform. And I recall in that minute on the racetrack that day just how much this illness had taken from me. It had affected my friendships, my relationship with my parents, and my cognitive concentration skills. I went home that day and realised that I may look like I was in control, but I was no longer. The voices in my head was dictating my every decision and every move, and I was just a puppet to these voices that I couldn't control. That was probably an even bigger turning point for me, and from then on, I was determined to overcome this illness. So I woke up every morning telling myself today would be the day that I'm going to get better and do things differently. But, as we all will know, determination alone without the right support is never enough. And by mid-morning, I would get overwhelmed, anxious, and I would go back to old behaviours just out of natural habit. At the same time, though, I couldn't identify these feelings or even have the right vocabulary to communicate what I was feeling. This awareness that I have now about my emotions came much later with maturity and therapy in my 30s. All I remember was that trying new habits didn't feel good. There were some days where I would go all day doing the right thing, 
or what I thought was the right thing. But as soon as something stressful in my life happened, which wasn't uncommon being year 12 and all, I would go straight back to my old habits. This on-again, off-again relationship and behaviour of constantly trying to get better lasted another 18 months or so until well into my first year at uni. Multiple times I tried to explain to my mum about the voices in my head, but I really did lack the vocabulary to explain what was really going on, which made it even more of a frustrating situation. Food was always at the forefront of my mind all the time. I remember going to parties and I can't recall who was there, but I always remember what food was being served, what food I would eat and what I wouldn't eat. Despite all of these frustrations, all the tears and all of the anxious feelings, looking back, I don't remember fully giving up on myself, however. Most days were really hard, but I kept trying day in, day out to get better. The same personality traits that had gotten me so sick, and that being determination, was now working in my favour. Leaving school also made a huge impact on my life. No longer was I in this pressure cooker of a private girl's school trying to get top marks to get into the law degree I wanted. I had gotten in, and that translated to me applying less pressure on myself and just having more fun in life generally. Eventually, towards the end of my first year of uni, I started seeing physical aspects of recovery. I did start putting on a bit of weight, not being able to fit into my clothes, and the temporary blackout episodes were all gone. And yes, putting on weight did spin me into a state of anxiety and want to go back to old behaviours. But now I had lost those voices in my head that had controlled me for so long. I was now in control of my own emotions and when I realised that, I was able to learn to self-soothe myself out of states of anxiety. I made more of a conscious effort to distract myself with activities as a way to stop myself from my spiralling thoughts learning to calm myself down by walking it out, shaking it out, or even just dancing it out. I also started putting a huge emphasis on having more fun and enjoying life, proactively reminding myself to do this over a focus on less helpful things like food and exercise. Taking a more lighthearted approach to life was what I really focused on, rather than always being so serious and trying to be such a perfectionist. By my second year of university, I was at a normal weight, and if you looked at me physically, you probably didn't suspect anything. But by now, my anorexia was replaced with episodes of binge eating, and physically it seemed less damaging for my body, but mentally and emotionally, it was just as bad. Binge eating continued in my second year until I moved out of home at the beginning of my third year. Now that I left an unstable family environment, I was going to be in a good position to properly recover. By the time I was in my fourth year, I was in a really good place, both physically and mentally. Of course, recovery is never a linear journey. And even though I was recovering well, physically and mentally, I struggled to acknowledge or make sense of what had happened and what this all had meant. First came the shame of having had an eating disorder. I wanted to appear as though I was completely normal, same as everyone else, and go through life with the same sort of challenges. I didn't have any close friends who had also been through an eating disorder, and it took many more years to open up to anyone about having had this experience. She was a sister of a friend who had also had this experience, and the very first time I told her my story was the very first time I felt a piece of shame falling off my shoulders. Still, 
The stigma was, and still is sadly today, real around eating disorders. And it's a lot easier to pretend that this thing never happened to me and erase certain memories from my mind. With shame also came blame. And in my head, I blamed my parents for not meeting my needs, the doctors in China for not seeing what was really going on, my school, and of course, myself. At an Eating Disorder Victoria event last year, a young woman asked me, do you think having had an eating disorder has had an impact on the person that you are today? And if so, in what way? With all the stigma around this condition, I think it can be really difficult to focus on the positives in dealing with this struggle. Take it from me, despite recovering for over 15 years, there are still moments that I struggle to accept this aspect of my life. But more often than not, these days, I choose to claim this story than to blame or shame my eating disorder. By being involved in EDV, by sharing my story in this episode, it's a way for me to continue to claim this aspect of my life. In answering her question, I came to the realisation that without having sparred with my condition, I would not be the same person I am today. Firstly, it's given me a kind of gratitude to life that I know I wouldn't have had otherwise. Anorexia, sadly, can be a life-threatening condition, and I'm so grateful that I didn't become another statistic. Secondly, overcoming anorexia is one of the most lonely and difficult journeys that anyone can take. But what it did give me is an immense sense of self-belief that if I could overcome that, I can overcome anything else that life throws at me. A few years ago, I struggled through a period of depression, and it was this very thought that helped me get through those darkest days of depression. If I could overcome my eating disorder all those years back, I just knew I had it in me to overcome depression. Finally, and I think the one that is most important, is a sense of empathy for others. Having struggled many years of not feeling normal or feeling ashamed for the thoughts in my head or having voices in my mind has made me realise that there is no one set normal, that everyone comes in all shades of grey and all shapes of human and we all have our own life stories. This ability to empathise with others is an incredibly powerful skill that has not only helped shape my career but also made me a better person. It's helped create stronger connections to people And ultimately, I do believe, a more fulfilling life. It is my hope that through the story I've told today, others may begin to realise that any disadvantage or struggle you are feeling can help you become a better or stronger individual. There are positives from this experience once you've recovered and that you too may one day reflect on how this experience has enriched your life and choose to pass on your story of hope. Sometimes the best way to beat the problem is to claim or embrace it with courage and kindness. Take those few steps forward without losing hope and eventually you may find yourself also in a much more hopeful place. Those steps might be ringing EDV Hub, connecting with a trusted psychologist who has a special interest in eating disorders or talking to your GP. Whatever your first step is, doesn't really matter. All that matters is you've taken that first step forward in your recovery. Besides, what do you really have to lose? We acknowledge the traditional custodians of the land on which this podcast is recorded, the Boon Wurrung and Woi Wurrung people of the Kulin Nation, and pay our respects to elders past, present and emerging. <laughs>